This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, what you got here that's worth living for? True love. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today, what if we could talk lunch and inflation at the same time? Say it isn't so, Doug. Well, it is so. Because on today's show, we welcome Mr. Annual Sandwich Survey creator himself, Lenten Penzo. Which sandwich will take the cake this year as the cheapest sandwich? What about the most expensive sandwich? You're going to have to listen to find out. And... During our headline segment, one NFL quarterback isn't welcome in his dad's basement anymore. We'll find out who and why. Plus, we'll make sure to toss out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener, and I'll sandwich in (laughs) some of my trivia. And now, two guys who really bring the cheese to this podcast, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I love cheese. Why is it bad to think things are cheesy? I don't know. Are you a grilled cheese fan? I am a grilled cheese fan, but remember... Have you done the mayo on the grilled cheese? No, that's disgusting. No, no, no. On the outside of the bread. Oh, it's funny that you say that. (laughs) Well, just because somebody was talking about grilling some stuff and putting mayo like on the outside when you grill it, and I was like, what, huh? 
<laughs> Apparently, it uh, adds to the crunch. I guess it's an aphrodisiac. Grilled for... ham and cheese. It is <laughs> for people who like cheese. Put mayonnaise on your bread. Yumbo! All of a sudden, it's like Paris Hilton. Yeah. That's hot. <laughs> You're in love. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Grilled Cheese for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and across the card table from me for Hump Day, it's Mr. OG. It's Grilled Cheese Day. It is Grilled Cheese Day. I love this day. Len Penzo coming down to the basement to talk about sandwiches and nothing gets me hungrier than a sandwich discussion. I can't wait till the uh, Facebook post of, I can't believe you'd send your kid to school with a bologna sandwich. <laughs> it's going to be great for people new to the show. We did this show uh, last year and we got a little pushback. Actually, I think it's been two years now since it's we got been a the, while since somebody, somebody argued with us that we were malnourishing our children. Yes. The, the sending kids to school with sandwich. a cheese sandwich is a borderline oh, a sandwich. Yes, is borderline child abuse. Borderline and, uh, child abuse. You have to grill it first for it not to be child abuse. Obviously. Duh. With mayonnaise on the outside. Hey, you know what? If you don't know how to do that, you know what you do? If you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich, you hire somebody on Fiverr to do it for you. Big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Do you think there's like a grilled cheese artist? You know how Subway calls their people sandwich artists? Is yeah. there a grilled cheese artist on, on, on Fiverr? Yeah, I've been grilling. Uh, yeah, his cheese name is Thomas for... Keller. <laughs> Thomas in his free Keller. time, in his free time, he does Fiverr grilled cheeses at the French Laundry. <laughs> after after <laughs> background, after the, you know, cleaning up the back uh, the back kitchen. Shifts over, sees if he can make a few bucks on Fiverr, because you know the <laughs> French Laundry not doing that good. Uh, big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamins. I'm not sure Fiverr wants us marketing in that way, but I got to tell you, there are some awesome people we've worked with at Fiverr. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Thomas Keller there. So easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. Great show today. Len Penzo in the sandwich survey. But first, we've got some fantastic headlines. So let's get this moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. All right. We have a very light topic today with the sandwich survey. Going to have some fun there. So we can't have it all be sunshine and rainbows. Oh, gee. It can't be all grilled cheeses. <laughs> it can't be. Eventually, you got to have some chicken casserole. Every once in a while, we got to have cool. some liver pate. Uh <laughs> Nicole and uh, Liverworth wrote this piece from MarketWatch. 55% of businesses closed on Yelp have shut down for good during the coronavirus pandemic. That's a bad number. Uh, Nicole writes, American states have been reopening their economies in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, but tens of thousands of businesses still closed, many of them for good. As of July 10th, 132,580 businesses listed on the Yelp review site remain closed due to the coronavirus pandemic, according to its latest economic average report. The good news is that's a slight decrease from the 140 closures last month as phased reopenings in some places have allowed many businesses to operate again, even if in a limited capacity. Well, okay, good news. 7,400 reopened out of 140,000. Yeah. Yikes. That is not good. You know, we, during good times, got some pushback on this idea of an emergency fund. And I think we're seeing that in action still here, OG. 
Well, and I think, you know, as you think about Yelp, a lot of Yelp stuff is service related businesses, right? Like restaurants and bars and individual type service related things. And a lot of those things just simply haven't even been allowed to open or like they've been allowed to open and then, you know, in a limited capacity and stuff. So I remember an article or a news story or something where I was a restaurant owner or something down here was mentioning that the 50% thing or whatever the number was at the time doesn't do anything for him. He's like, I need 90% just to cover the rent and payroll and all that sort of stuff. He's like, is that somebody, is that somebody who set up their business the wrong way? Or I don't think so. I mean, most restaurants and, you know, food type places have very thin margins, generally speaking, unless you're Thomas Keller, which I would imagine he made it through the coronavirus stuff. Okay. But I don't know if that's a function of just setting it up incorrectly or if it's just uh, the way that that industry works. But I think it's also a good thing. I mean, at some level, it's from most perspectives, you know, 150,000 businesses not open yet is not a great thing. But it can also be a good thing if you're one of those business owners who did do the right thing and now realize that you need to change your business a little bit, taking the opportunity to be a little bit proactive and yeah, I hate the term pivot. Yeah, but uh, you, it's bad it, as landing the plane. Yeah, but I think in this case, pivot is actually the right word. I'm with you. It's overused. But I was listening to Nick Kakonis, uh, the co-owner of Alinea, on the Tim Ferriss show. And this is maybe a month and a half into the whole pandemic stuff. And the way that he pivoted with Alinea was incredible. And part of it was paying attention to your surroundings. Like if I had some takeaways for business owners is paying attention to your surroundings at a time. He had made a statement maybe a year or two before where he said, there's no way in hell every restaurant in the United States would close at the same time. Like he's looking over all the risks and says, there's no way that could happen. And then in late January, he said, oh my God, I think every restaurant in the United States could close at the same time. And he said that his staff thought he was crazy when he went to his HR person and said, tell me everything you know about unemployment. How can we make sure that our people are taken care of? I need to know exactly how unemployment works. And he was able to make some decisions that not only have kept the restaurant open because he was proactive, but also have made sure that he's been able to bring people back. Uh, mm-hmm. and that they'd have a job. He also sent them off, by the way, before he put them on un- unemployment because he knew it wouldn't hurt their unemployment. He sent them all off with with some bonus money. Like he gave everybody a bonus before he let them go. Yeah, but that's one of the smartest people in the world in the restaurant business, you know, and one of the most successful ones. And And I think going back to what you were talking about around the boring nature of making sure that you have a cash reserve and how obnoxious that is to have three months or six months of cash reserve. Most people don't do that. We saw that in financial podcasting world. There's another podcast on the landscape. Remember that what within three weeks ran out of money was asking people to support them. Oh, (laughs) and you just like, really? Oh yes. I do recall that. Yes. And you just think you're like, uh, and this episode brought to you by, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those those fools they didn't save enough money <laughs> in other news our show today is brought to you by please go to this link 
are you saying we probably shouldn't throw too much salt that way? Well, I mean, you know, a little behind the scenes if people want to go there. I mean, we we don't make a lot of money doing this, but we didn't let anybody go, right? We kept the train on the tracks. We kept money in the reserve, made sure that's that where. our six part-time employees were, were taken care of. We didn't do Nick Kokona style planning, but certainly no. I was w- worried about what if we can't afford people for a couple months. You're always very good about making sure that we have a reserve. I think that's a good lesson. Full there. of IOUs. <laughs> $250,000 Lamborghini. You're going to want to keep that one. That's a big one. Uh, our second cautionary tale here, it comes to us from RootToRetire.com. Jim blogs over at Root to Retire and such a nice guy. But this is, this is a horror story Jim's going through. Listen to this. Headline is, is our retirement in Panama unexpectedly over? Uh, We'll link to the entire story in the show notes, but I'll just kick this off with Jim saying, we started our early retirement in Panama late summer 2019. It was just me, my wife, Lisa, and our daughter, Faith, who was nine at the time. We moved there, found a condo close to town uh, that we really like. We even got to be part of a House Hunters International episode along the way. Things are moving along very well. The weather in the mountains where a place resides is wonderful, 75 degrees every day. We spent so much time walking around and just enjoying the welcoming country and the new experiences. Okay, so goes over how great life was. And then the COVID-19 pandemic was nice enough. I love the way he writes. It was nice enough to provide a twist in life for all of us. Uh, Some folks have had it rougher than others, and I don't ever forget just how fortunate we are. However, it's still given us our own bit of trouble trying to enjoy our retirement in Panama. Panama's been very aggressive in their attempt to slow the spread of the virus since the beginning. Unfortunately, not everyone played by the rules, and the active cases have continued to grow in the country. If you've been following along the past few months, we had a tough decision to make. At the end of June, we decided to head back to the U.S. We made that decision even though we knew we might not be able to get back to our retirement in Panama anywhere soon. Sure enough... We're in Ohio without any idea if we'll be able to return. The Panamanian government hasn't done a great job of laying out an actual timeline when things will open back, including the borders and airports, and that makes it tough for us. We're stuck away from our home in Panama. They can't get back to their house. I've heard stories like this of uh, people that got stuck in random places at the very beginning. It's like they left and then went to come back and the flight was canceled and then they rebooked it and that flight was canceled and they ended up being there for, you know, three months. Stuck. At a time. Remember that couple that was uh, stuck at that high end resort and they were the only yeah, people left? Sucks. What a terrible thing. Well, the only part Although, that was terrible about fair, it was. The meter was probably running like at, you know, a thousand bucks a day. I was about to say that. The part that did suck that I read. At first I was like, oh, that's wow. This clear water, great beaches. Everybody in the resort is at your beck and call, but the meter was running. That part would suck. I'd be like, uh, hey. And I also remember that what was terrible about it was they required the full staff to be there just as part of the operation of the hotel. And so the staff couldn't leave either. Right. You know, to go back with their families because this one couple was still still there. I mean, I think at that point, do you just go, hey, it's cool, guys. I I know where the fridge is. I'll just yeah. leave some cheese sandwiches for me. I'll be fine. Right. A couple Miller lights. I'm good. Maybe I can help do the dishes from time to time. Let's <laughs> kind of knock this bill down a smidge. Anyway, case need any grass to be mowed or something, then I'll do that. Uh, paying off your $1,200 a night. Yeah. 
But this is where planning, I think, is super important. I mean, Jim has built flexibility into his plan. Before he left Panama, he knew that he might not be able to come back. And so while he has a wrench in things, it isn't it isn't the end of the world. I mean, personally, you know, we told our story here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Cheryl had a job in Arizona and the job went bye bye at the last second. We'd already sold our house. But because of planning, we were able to make it through that. And by planning, you mean sleep on my couch for three weeks. Yes. Mooching off my buddies. That's, 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 that's the planning by, by mooching off my friends. I realized I don't need a house. OG has a pool and, and a pond and a pond would be good for you and a spare bedroom. I mean, why do I need a house? I can just live at OG's. Yeah. yeah. The house across the street's for sale. If you want to come back, uh, I'm, I'm not looking to buy. I'm looking at spare bedroom. <laughs> Let's get on the same page here. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Couch surfing, spare bedroom surfing. But seriously, I think that whenever you have a plan that involves overseas or a big move, knowing ahead of time what the options are. I mean, I feel in some ways, this is the same thing we were talking about with Alinea earlier, looking at the road ahead and thinking about all those things that could go wrong. I remember having a client that was an engineer and uh, she worked on highways And she said that before they did any building, they would always go through this exercise of what could go wrong and every single thing they would try to mitigate all those risks before they built an inch of highway. Well, this is true for any sort of planning and especially planning that is kind of one way, right? When you, when you get to the point where you're thinking about things like financial independence, or you're thinking about a move across country, or you're thinking about whatever, uh, you have to sit down and visit around what if this doesn't go the way that I thought, you know, and I know that later in his story, he talks about the fact that from a financial planning standpoint, they had planned to live in the United States or they had stress test, I guess their plan to live in the United States, even though they're planning on living in a lower cost of living area. And I think that's true regardless of, you know, big gigantic plans of building highways or uh, moving 8,000 miles to retire, or if you're going to, take a new job or if you're going to buy a rental property and fix it up. I think a lot of times we look at that stuff and we say, oh, well, I heard that you can go and buy a cheap duplex and rent it out and be a gazillionaire. Yeah, that works sometimes. But think through all of the stuff. I'm remodeling a rental that we own right now. My initial thought was, yeah, this thing cost me 38000 The remodel will probably be ten. And then we rewired the entire house and the electrician was like, cool. So where's my seven grand? (laughs) Oh, I was just a bit off on the remodel budget, (laughs) you know, so it changes things, but, um, you don't have to be all uh, doom and gloom in your planning, but you definitely need a, you definitely need a way out. You know, I think it is better though. It is better to be a little doom and gloom in your plan so that when the worst case scenario happens, you're not surprised, but even better, whenever anything good happens, you have this sense of gratitude, right? I feel sometimes people walk into every situation and think that life is just going to be exactly the way that I want it to be. And then they get super down when things don't go correctly. I think if you have the other standpoint where everything, you expect life to be challenging, you know, I'm thinking of M. Scott Peck's The Road Less Traveled, 
<laughs> I was going to say that's like the first line in that book. That's one of my favorite books. It is definitely my most dog-eared book that I own. I just so have to remind book. myself of those first couple pages over and over and over. Yeah. Life, life is, is difficult. difficult. Once I remember that, everything else is, is much better. And life's no longer difficult. Right. Well, in our in our planning work, we use two words and very particularly define both of them. One is our expectations and one is our planning. And we use this a lot around thinking about investment returns. You know, our expectation is a stock portfolio should generate about 10% a year. That's my expectation. But my planning is that it generates six and a half. Yeah. All that does is give immense amounts of flexibility on the plan. And most of that flexibility is on the upside. Well, the cool so, thing is too, it, it also, I think, forces you to focus on the things that you can control. Because when you lower mm -hmm. that return expectation, you have to fill it in with more money, right? So now if we yeah. save more, yeah, more time, if, yeah. yeah, now if we save more money to make up for the fact that we're not getting 10, but holy cow, we do get 10. Now I, I've got this bounty of fantastic options. I can ret yeah. meet the goal earlier, make the goal bigger, make the goal last longer, whatever it might be. Right. Expectations and planning, two different things, I think so. You know, one thing that I always expect, OG, is that uh, we will try to surprise people on this show. And to do that, we often make some decisions about uh, adding some fun stuff to the show where we need some help. But we don't need the help long term. We just need them short term. For us, often it's, uh, it's some vocal talent or people to do visuals for us, whatever it might be. Whenever you're finding freelance talent for your business or projects, sometimes you have to pivot like we're talking about today in order to meet a goal or maybe an unexpected obstacle occurs, making it impossible to meet your deadline with the size of your current team. Where do you go to find on-demand talent? How much will it cost? How can you be certain they'll deliver? Finding the right freelancer can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with the network of trusted freelance talent. It's great to know that OG and I can have an idea and then we can go implement it within a couple days because we've got freelance talent that we know is there and ready to work immediately. And while maybe Thomas Keller from the French Laundry doesn't appear on Fiverr, man, the people that we've hired have been super pros at what they do. The guy OG who played Nick from Alaska for us, unbelievable. Remember him? I do. We've used him a number of times too. And I've had nothing but good things from an outcome standpoint. It's incredible. So whether you're launching your first business, scaling your current business, or in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr's here to help you evolve, adapt, and grow. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. Find what you're looking for instantly, search by service, deadline, price, reviews, 24-7 customer service. You're going to know everything up front so you don't have to negotiate. So finding talent for your project's never been easier. You can review the seller ratings, buy your feedback, and select the right freelancer based on your budget. Check out Fiverr.com today. And because you're a stacker, you're going to get 10% off your first order by using our code SB. It's super easy. Find all the digital services you need in one place at FIVERR.com, code SB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code SB. I think our takeaways here today, and there really is only one OG, which is plan for flexibility. I think too often we try to lock in great 
tax strategies or we get into products that don't allow us any flexibility. And then we have to change our course and change our goals because we didn't have the right product mix. I think the first thing, if we start with the process of things could go wrong, whether it's for your business or your retirement in Panama, I think you're, you're much more likely to make a good decision. And that's it. Flexibility is the name of the game. Our next guest is a gentleman you've heard a lot on this show. If you're brand new to the show, he has an award-winning blog called LenPenzo.com. Len actually, <laughs> Len actually is a man that uh, way back in the beginning of the show, the fact that Len's blog was uh, a big-time blog in our space and Len agreed to be a part of our show, that really helped us kick off this show. And ever since then, we've kind of uh, grabbed Len's coattails to ride this to all four listeners so far. Going from two listeners to four OG, big deal. Len not only Dublin. Len not only emphasizes taking personal responsibility and using your brain, Len also tries to do it with humor. And one way that he's always had some humor is in the way that he looks at inflation with us. And he looks at it through the eyes of a school lunch. So while school lunch might be different this year, the making of a sandwich isn't in the grocery store aisles where you buy the stuff isn't. So let's take a look at this year's sandwich survey with our good friend, Len Penzo. And here he is for his annual trip down to the basement. Likes this better than the other annual trip he takes to the doctor now. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Len Penzo joins us. How are oh you, man? God. I am doing fantastic, Joe. How are you, sir? This is better than going to the doctor, isn't it? This is kind of a fun little thing, you know, our annual uh, sandwich survey. You can't, uh, it's just one of those nice things to kind of lighthearted. And, well, you, know. you say it's lighthearted, but true listeners know this is borderline child abuse. <laughs> well, it all depends. Yeah, you know, and it does. I guess it does stir up some controversy with the sandwich choices and what, what goes on a sandwich. But yes, you're right. And just for people who have not been with us for the long term, that is a joke going back. I think now, Len, two years ago, somebody told us that sending your kid to school with a cheese sandwich was borderline child abuse yes, and that this and that this was crazy. But but really what I like about this this is a great way, I think, to talk about inflation, to talk about prices going up over time and to see use something as simple as a as a sandwich lunch to get at some of these big concepts. But but is that really what you wanted to do when you started it all those years ago? Were you really looking at inflation? You know what, Mr. Curiosity, myself, you know, the engineer, I, I just wanted to see because at the time this is when my kids were in school, I really wanted to see just how much money I was saving on these sandwiches. I wanted to track it from year to year because you, there is that inflation idea out there. And a lot of people say, well, there is no inflation. Well, I wanted to track it. And this was 12 years ago and I'm still doing it. And it is very interesting when you look over the, the long term, just how the prices have gone up and down. So, I mean, you just don't know. You can't just say, well, prices go up continually because they don't. I wanted to track everything and I just, it just took a life of its own. I, you know, I, 
it's now I have to do it. This is going to go until the day I die. Right. I'm going to have to matter of fact, Joe, after I go, you're going to have to take this over because uh, we're obligated. I was going to say our ages aren't that much different, big guy. So (laughs) we'll we'll pass it off to Paula then. That's exactly what we're going to do. Make Paula pant do it. But you've had a problem with uh, the school lunch and not that the school lunch is super expensive, but really when you add it up over time, you were looking at the cost benefit of the school lunch. Yeah. Right now, like for example, this year at my high school, if they do decide to open, they I don't, they have not as of yet, but I did go onto the website to see what the price would be for a school lunch this year. It's three seventy five, which last year it was $3. So that's uh, quite an increase. And if you have a family, just two, let's say two kids in school and you're paying three seventy five a day for lunch, that's $1,300 a year, $1,300 a year just for school lunches. And you can save significantly just by packing a brown bag lunch. But you're, but you also the think the survey does a good job, I think, of showing that. Well, but it's not only that, Len, you were also talking about nutritional value. You can probably beat it, too. Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you know, you have a sandwich and you throw some fruit, a piece of fruit in there, a banana maybe, and, uh, you know, and some carrot sticks. And uh, of course, much better than what they're going to offer you at the school. All right. So for people new to this game, you take a bunch of different sandwiches. Uh, tell us the ingredients that we look at, kind of how you lay out the survey line. This is one of the huge controversies every year. <laughs> What I've done is I've got 10 different sandwiches that people will put in their brown bags and they, and, and they are, there's bologna, there's peanut butter and jelly, there's egg salad, there's turkey and Swiss, there's roast beef and cheddar. Let's see, did I say egg salad? Did you did. Salad, Joe? Okay. Uh, American cheese. And, and folks, that includes a grilled cheese sandwich, right? It doesn't have to be just the... <laughs> Right. That includes that can be a grilled cheese sandwich as well. Because if you grill it, because if you grill it, to be clear, it's no longer child abuse. Well, of course, you've put some care into it. Right. Besides (laughs) just you've actually taken the time to you put some time into your kid's lunch. You can't just. Right. So what else? We have salami. We have tuna. And the king of kings sandwiches, the bacon, lettuce, and tomato is in this survey as well. So I think that's all 10 that I've hit. Even Uh, though. Not that many people sending kids to school with a BLT. No, although I, you know, there were a couple times I can remember in my school career, Joe, there were a couple times when I actually specifically asked for a BLT sandwich and I, my mom, God bless her. Wow. But I'd say maybe two or three times my whole, my whole school career. That's like Christmas in September. You know, last year somebody said, Hey, where's the meatloaf sandwich? You're kidding. Really? No, somebody asked for a meatloaf sandwich to add to the list. And I was like, you know what? That's I think that would just screw everything up. You know, I didn't want to go there. But yes, they put it in request. I am taking requests, folks. Go feel free to request your favorite sandwich. You know, the avocado and toast sandwich. I don't know. Maybe I could do that, too. So hey, anyway, so these sandwiches and what I did, this is another bit of controversy. People actually write to me about this. It's like. What I've done is for each of the sandwiches, I put different condiments, right? So I said, okay, the bologna sandwich is mustard and mayo, one serving each. The roast beef and cheddar, though, I say just mayo. And the point is you can make your sandwich however you want. But the beauty of this survey is it's been consistent over 12 years. It's always the same condiments by serving, and it's the same servings of everything. So everything's consistent. And if you want to make your sandwich differently, I break out in the survey each of the individual uh, sandwich components and the price changes for those. So you can build your sandwich however you want, your favorite sandwich. 
and you can see, you know, so let's say you want a bologna sandwich with tomato and lettuce on it. You can look at my survey. You can look at the price of bologna, how much it's gone up or down, the price of the tomatoes and how much they've gone up and down, the lettuce. And you can and you can see just however you build your sandwich. It's all consistent. So it's really kind of almost doesn't matter how I've dressed up my sandwiches. Right. Dress it up however you want. We're just trying to keep it the same. Correct. Everything's consistent for 12 years now. Everything's been consistent. And also to keep everything consistent too, you walk into the same store and look for the same brands of stuff. Absolutely. I go to the, I've been gone to the same store the, all 12 years. And here's the other thing I do for consistency. I find the cheapest by serving size of whatever there is. So Let's take strawberry jam, for example. That's another people complain about strawberry jelly in our jam. <laughs> Why not? Who eats that? It should be great. Anyways, I look for the, the cheapest per unit cost for strawberry jelly, and that's what goes in the survey. Whatever you can get the cheapest serving size, that's the official price. doesn't matter what the brand is or it's all on per unit cost, the cheapest one. So I, I love how you're ruining some people's f- days with this. <laughs> strawberry people tweeting like they're mad about politics yeah they're passionate about their sandwiches that's good that is good well uh let's start off with the one thing that's consistent then we're going to go through the pieces first and then we'll talk about the sandwiches second uh to reveal who the most expensive was who least expensive was but the one thing that's consistent on all of these is the bread right so the price of bread over time could go up but what happened to the price of bread this year it was absolutely flat. So the price and it's wheat bread, folks, it's not white bread and healthy wheat bread. It actually did not move last year. The price of bread went up 20%. I remember that. So yeah, it was a huge, huge increase. And that was after a long steady period of no increases. But uh, this year, yes, it was nice to see that the price of bread did not move. And then your condiments, which are mustard and mayo that are on many of these, those are on many sandwiches too. What happened with those? Okay, so mayo went up slightly, 7%, uh, virtually, I think, unchanged from last year. Mustard, two years ago, it went way up. It had a sharp increase. The last two years, though, the price has dropped. This year, it's dropped another 20%. So it was quite a drop. Mustard's pretty close to free. I mean, you've got two cents, two cents per serving. The price of, yeah. So yeah, it's fly poop and the pepper really, but for mustard and mayo, but, but still, you know, it's very interesting if you, you know, that's just, it still counts towards the price of the sandwich, two cents. It was weird because this year you had some things, every year you have some things that go up notably, right? Eye poppingly go up. What did that this year? Sliced turkey Turkey. was our biggest, uh, the cold cut turkey went up 75% this year, just is amazing, actually. That was huge. Another big one that went up was the price of sliced ham. That went up 43%. And albacore tuna went up 39%. So those were probably the biggest movers. Uh, if you went the other direction, there weren't a lot. We had many more things go up than down. But the things that went down, the biggest mover, I think, was, yes, it was the uh, tomato. Price of tomatoes were down by a third. And again, here's another thing. This is, lo- you know, some of these prices are local. So, for example, the price of eggs. I remember one year in California, there was uh, some chicken illness or something, and it really impacted the price of eggs here where I live. And I know people elsewhere in the country are like, what are you talking about? The price of eggs went up, you know, 
80%. What are you yeah. talking about? Well, that, that's because that's local. And I think tomatoes might be the same thing. Uh, so maybe you, your mileage may vary there. But uh, I think overall, a lot of these things, I think they apply all the way across the country regardless. So, the, You know, when we look at these different meats going up, I was wondering if it was just the meat shortage we've seen around covid we, you know, we look at turkey and tuna, but then again, you've got roast beef and bacon on here and uh, roast beef went down 25%. Yeah, it's weird. I'll tell you another weird thing on this survey this year. I don't think this has ever happened is two of the cheeses. There's three cheeses on the survey. There's American, Swiss and cheddar. Two of them went up sharply. The American huh. cheese went up 31%. Oh, I thought Swiss you cracked a funny 20- there. What's that? American what t- cheese. Two of them went up sharply. Never mind. Sharp cheddar. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I meant that. No, good catch. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, two of them went up sharply. <laughs> uh, American and Swiss, they have 31 and 25%. But cheddar cheese, that went down 27%. I mean, that that was a strange one. And I don't think I've ever seen that in the 12 years of the survey where, where something like that. They usually went up or down in lockstep. So. Well, and what's amazing too, is that cheddar was more expensive and now that brought them all back in line too, Len. So they're all the same price per serving. Exactly. They, it's just, that's a strange thing. I don't know what's going on, but this has been a strange year. Pick your poison there when it comes to cheese, pick your cheese. All right. So that brings us to sandwiches. And before we get into the winner's, and losers, we put everything together. Let's talk about the notables here. Notable sandwiches then that went down in price. What went down? The two big movers were the roast beef and cheddar. That dropped 23%. And then the BLT went down 10%. Ironically, those were last year's two most expensive sandwiches, and they've actually, price went down. Every other sandwich actually went up in price, uh, except the bologna sandwich. And uh, let's – well, I guess I won't get into the – I don't know how you want me to do this, Joe, if you want me to start from the top or bottom. Yeah, no. But, let's just talk about the one that went up the most. It looks like it's a turkey and Swiss went up the most, of course, because uh, of the it, big price in turkey swing. The turkey, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's correct. That went up 33%. But ironically, again, it's still one of the cheapest sandwiches, right? It came in yeah. – I'll just say it came in number four on the list in the rankings of the cheapest sandwiches at 68 cents per sandwich. And, so. and, and ham and Swiss up 30 again with that, you know, maybe the run on meat up 30%. And then what do we got next? The, the, the Tuna. Tuna went up 32%. Oh yeah, then, yeah, you're right. Tuna up. Okay. So given those winners and losers, oh man, I'm sweating. This is the moment of truth right here. (laughs) This is it. Last year, what were the three least expensive sandwiches you could make? Last year's three least expensive sandwiches. Yes. So the cheapest sandwiches, uh, they were in order, bologna or bologna was number one. It was our cheapest sandwich. The PB&J was number two and the American cheese was number three. And then uh, drum roll here, Steve. Did those change this year? No, they did not. They are still maintaining their position. Bologna at one, the PB&J at two, and the American cheese at three. And I will say this about Bologna. People have said this for a long time, but Bologna is like in times of recessions, that's always the poor man's sandwich. It's always a cheap sandwich. People always go to the Bologna. It maintains its cheapness. In my survey, if you can believe this, it's topped the list eight different times in 12 years. Wow. Three other times it tied with PB&J, and there was only one time that it failed to 
occupy the top spot at all. What was and it? That the, was, uh, four the, years ago. The last year was PB and J by itself. Yes, PB and J. Actually, it was eight years ago. Twenty twelve was the only time the bologna sandwich wasn't first or tied for first. And, and there really is a big uh, difference between the two of them. Bologna coming in at thirty four cents and PB and J at forty one. And you, and you compare yeah. just that bologna sandwich lend thirty four cents with the cost of the school lunch at what'd you say three seventy five? You yeah. know, you can make up another three dollars and forty cents, three dollars and forty one cents with a lot of good food. Oh my gosh, you can put in your child's lunch, you put a banana in there. A banana is like a quarter, I think. You just take one banana away or whatever and, and pay for that. A banana's quarter, some carrot sticks, maybe a juice box or just a, some water. I mean, you're you're under two bucks. Easy, easy you're under two bucks Yeah, with a really good meal for your child. All right, and maybe not so economical, but the ones that are the creme de la creme last year, not this year, last year, what were the most expensive sandwiches? The uh, number eight was the tuna. Number nine was the roast beef and cheddar. And number 10 was the BLT, of course, almost. Uh, there's only been a couple of years. Actually, the BLT was not the most expensive sandwich. But uh, yeah, generally, that's the one bringing up the rear. Yeah. And so BLT, the uh, the grand master of sandwiches here. And let's say something about the BLT. Let's not sell it. It's 286 this year. A Big Mac is 399 so, wow. I mean, and a BLT is much more healthy than a Big Mac, right? You've got the lettuce, tomato, the bacon, which is delicious. 286. So, I, even a BLT, the, the king of kings, it's a buck 13 cheaper than a Big Mac. And did those change? Another drum roll here, Steve. <laughs> did these change this year? Uh, yeah, actually, the roast beef. The price went down 23%. The roast beef went up to number seven. It was our seventh least expensive. The tuna dropped, it became the second most expensive, and the BLT, of course, is still bringing up the rear. But boy, there's a huge difference here this year, Len, between the BLT and the tuna salad. I mean, tuna salad at $1.36, salami at uh, one twenty-five, then roast beef at one twenty-four. Those are kind of packed together. But the BLT is, is what, a buck uh, 50, a buck 50 more than the next closest competitor. Yes, it is. But uh, it's been more expensive. In 2011, the BLT was $4.20. This is nine years ago. It was almost not quite double the price. So uh, it's really a good bargain. It's one of the cheapest prices it's ever been. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk for a second about inflation, because we know that uh, in the United States anyway, they changed the rules for measuring inflation back in the late 90s. They call them, by the way, the hubris rules, which is Actually, there's so many jokes around that about that it's hubris to think that this is actually inflation. Just need one of these. Uh, but, but when it comes to inflation on sandwiches in the aggregate, have we seen inflation the last 12 years when it's come to sandwiches? Yeah. Well, they, on the very first year in 2009, I took the aggregate price of all the sandwiches. It was 86 cents. The next year, it actually dropped two cents to 84 cents. Since then, it moved up sharply to until about 2014. The price got to like $1.19 for the average aggregate sandwich. And then it dropped steadily until 2018. It got down to about $0.95. Cents. But now the last two years, 2019 and this year, we're, we're on our way back up again, and we're up to $1.06 uh, for the average sandwich. So price has gone up uh, 14%, 13% in the last two years. Wow. 
But still, I look at uh, over that long time frame, I'd be interested to see what the cost of a, let's say a Big Mac would have gone up at the same, uh, during the same time. Ironic, there is a Big Mac index for inflation. And the big, in, since 2009, when I started my survey, uh, the price of a Big Mac has gone up 24%. And the price of my sandwiches, of uh, the average sandwich, went up 23 and change. So almost <laughs> the same. So when people are complaining about the rise in the extra value meal, it really is the same across the board. It's, it's uh, yeah. food cost, food cost going Amazing. up. Yeah. That's great. Well, f fantastic. Anything surprise you this year, Len? Um, well, I told you about the cheeses. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was really interesting about how the American and Swiss cheese actually went up markedly while the price of cheddar came down. And now, as you mentioned, they're all the same cost per serving size. I thought that was a really strange. The other thing was, I guess I'm not surprised the price of all the meats sharply went up except for roast beef. Again, that was, um, yeah, rather strange too. why this price of sliced roast beef dropped. But all the other meats went up sharp. I mean, they went up markedly, 30%, 43%, 75%. But other than that, I think those were the big standouts this year for, for real surprises. Let's go over some of your takeaways that you have at the end of this. And by the way, we're going to link to this at our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. It's at lenpenzo.com for people that want to read along. But first of all, you have gone, not just here, but in other pieces, the cost of slicing. You can, you can slice it yourself and save a bundle of money. Yeah, instead of buying the sliced ham out of the deli case or buy a whole ham and slice it yourself. Same with cheese. Go to the deli, buy the block cheese, slice it yourself. Much cheaper. You'll save a significant amount of money. And then second, when it comes to tomatoes, the stuff that uh, you'll put on it, you can save money there too. Certainly. I mean, well, obviously growing your own, right? I mean, you can't beat a homegrown tomato. Oh, so and, much better. Uh, so, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm sure everybody's had a homegrown tomato, but the taste difference between that and uh, the stuff you buy in the stores is amazing. You know, my big problem is I always have trouble with the squirrels and the critters eating my tomatoes, you know, <laughs> and the squirrels really tick me off because they'll eat half the tomato and throw the other half in the yard. just to, like, <laughs> mock me. So that really irritates me. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. But that's another show. That is another show. And then the next, uh, the last one here is, is And of course, you've done this before, but you've also done this in other taste tests where you've done blind taste <laughs> tests. Don't necessarily buy the most expensive brand to get one that tastes better. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the store brand products, and I've done more than a dozen of these different taste tests using store brand versus national brands. And it's amazing how many times the store brand product, actually, I usually have my family members They'll pick the store brand products It's a, in a blind taste test. So, yeah, d don't be afraid to try those store brand products. And if it doesn't work out, then go go to the national brand. But you can save up to 40 percent just by using the store brand products. I keep telling you, Mr. Penzo, that the next time you redo that ice cream taste test, I want to be involved. You got it. <laughs> so you got it, bro. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out and talking inflation and sandwiches and school lunch with us, Mr. Penzo. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Joe. Trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and is anyone else starving after all that sandwich talk? I need me a Sammy. I just decided to head down to the corner store and grab some grub after this segment, and I checked my wallet, which brought out an existential realization. I'm broke, people. 
Guess what? This handy-dandy holiday calendar Joe's mom got me comes to the rescue again. It turns out today is National Garage Sale Day. And what better way to make some money than by cleaning out some of this useless junk? Here's the best part. As a big surprise to Joe's mom, I think I'll just clean this place up a little bit, sell everything, and hand over a big wad of cash. She'll love it. While I price out everything to see if it's worth it, let's get to today's trivia. On this date in history, all the way back in 1793, a very famous museum opened its doors. A museum that now is the most visited museum in the world. Here's a question. What museum is it? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can list your junk on eBay. Like your your old stuff. I'm talking about your old stuff. You know, we were talking earlier about great podcasts that have great people on it. Well, one guy, OG, who has great people on his podcast all the time. But I still don't think that that's the magic of the show, by the way. But he's fantastic guest is uh, our friend Jordan Harbinger. Jordan Harbinger is a guy who's been podcasting longer than we have. He's at a serious satellite radio show. He's a guy that I'm very happy has been a friend of mine, a guy that I met him at a conference, a guy who's willing to talk to anybody about anything. And some of the discussions I've had with Jordan have been fantastic, but even more important, the discussions I get to sit in on when I listen to him talk to some of these amazing people, by the way, just on his show, Tom Wainwright on the show. And the topic is how to run a drug cartel. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Just fantastic. Let me take notes on that one. So we're super happy this episode's brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out if you're a fan of high quality, fascinating podcast hosted by an interesting dude. The show covers a wide variety of topics, uh, not just running a drug cartel, but let's look through the recent catalog. Amanda Knox talking about true crime. Of course, Amanda Knox was in the news for a long time. Say she'd know true crime Jeez. or not know it, depending on depending on who you believe. Well, and that's why I like that title, The Truth About True Crime. Eamon Dean, Nine Lives of a Spy Inside Al-Qaeda. Neil Brennan, Comedy's Triple Threat. How to Fire Somebody You Care About. Bob Saget, How Comedy continually changes his life. Coffeezilla, how to expose fake guru scams. Those are just a few of the episodes Jordan's had lately. The podcast covers a ton, but one constant's his ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. And I promise you that not only does he talk to good people and interesting people, he pulls stuff out of them you're not going to hear anywhere else. So OG and I really enjoy the show. We think you will too. Search for the Jordan Harbinger show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's the Jordan Harbinger show. Big thanks to Jordan for sponsoring Stacking Benjamins. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And talk about stacking. I'm just beginning to stack together everything I'm going to sell in my huge garage sale. Half of Joe's board games, eight bucks each. The rickety card table, nine bucks, because that's like a historical treasure thing. Joe needs a new table anyways. Cooper the cat, eh, like maybe 12 bucks for him. Uh, don't, don't look at me like that, cat. Okay, you're probably going to go for 10 bucks, best case. 
the cans of food in the pantry, 50 cents each. By the time this is all said and done, we're going to be rich. And I'll make sure to split the money with Joe's mom, 60-40. It's totally fair. I'm doing all the work, so I get the 60, of course. Time to get back to work, though. But first, I need to get you your trivia answer. The question was, what is the most visited museum in the world? Coming in at number two with 8 million annual visitors, it's National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C., but coming in at number one, the museum that just happened to open up on this date in 1793 with 9.3 million annual visitors, it's the Louvre in France. Now that's a lot of people, but wait till you see how many people are going to be coming to this basement sale. It's going to be ripping. OG guessed the MoMA and the Louvre. Oh. Duh. Yeah. Or as OG pronounces it, the Louvre. I think that Doug got it wrong. Lauer I think it's, I think it's Lauer, the Louvre. Uh, Lauver. Lauver. Yeah. Yes. I agree. I You're agree. right. Yep. The E might be silent. <laughs> it's the L that's silent, obviously. The Ouvre. The Ouvre. It's clearly the L that's silent. Big thanks to Len for coming down to the basement again. No more fun way to think about the price of things. OG just continues to. Just continues to change. The only constant in life is change. It seems like that's that that seems to be our theme today, isn't it? Prepare for change. But isn't everything supposed to change back to the normal? So then wouldn't it just be preparing for the same stuff? Are you saying that once the cheese moves, it moves back? Is that not what happens? <laughs> that's what I've been told. There's going to be normal. We're going back to normal. Or wait, maybe it's a new normal. I can't remember what kind of normal we're going to have. There'll be some normal. That's that's what I understand there to be. I want the normal being like when I was eight years old. Dad went to work and I didn't have to worry about anything. Heard that. Preach. Yeah. Yeah. Mom would make us sandwiches. I mean, eight years old is different for everybody. And I was very lucky to have a fantastically normal childhood but man playing outside all day in the yard lettuce lettuce and bologna sandwiches I, I think about it from time to time like maybe i should get a pack of bologna just to see but i i don't think i'd like it because we used that's what we used to eat all the time cheryl won't let it in the house she's like you're not getting all that salt <laughs> she's like no not that much oh, salt. is there salt in it apparently uh, who'd have thought that you need a lot of salt to have a processed meat last for 11 years <laughs> and still show up at the counter. Like it's like it's brand new, uh, but it makes me want it more. The second that she said, no, there's not going to be any bologna. I'm like, okay. Uh, when you see the expiration date on the bologna package and it says August of 99, do you think that it means that it expired 20 years ago or it expires in 70 years from now? I think it's 70 years. Like, from which now. one is it? <laughs> Either way, you're okay, probably. Uh, bologna has a first name. Spe Is that the weirdest Speaking of bologna, commercial we, ever? Well, close, I, I think. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and get out of the weirdest discussion ever. When I think of things I want to spend time on, I don't think about spending time on life insurance, which is why I like Haven Life. I could spend time on the stuff that I value. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life, and you'll see what I mean. Everything is online. They've simplified that 20-page application to be just a few simple questions, affordable prices, and all policies still issued by Mass Mutual. So even though you have a company that's trying to aggressively 
make buying life insurance easy at the same time. They're backed by the conservative nature of a company that's been around for a long time and that you know you can count on if things don't go the way that you plan. And actually, when it comes to life insurance, unfortunately, OG, I think it's more when things don't go the way that you plan. Yeah. And today, by the way, instead of throwing out Haven Lifeline to just one person, I want to point to a blog post that they had on Haven Life. What we've learned about money in 2020, our friend Nicole Decker wrote this piece, OG. She talks about how emergency funds are more important than ever. Man, we've hammered that today, haven't we? Second, stock market downturns. Don't panic. We saw early in the year a big stock market downturn and not the case uh, since then. Career fluctuations can happen. Be prepared. Your restaurant might close. We talked about that today. And estate planning is definitely key. Look at all the things going on this year. Having your plan ahead of time as things get weird makes a ton of sense. We'll link to that on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But, oh, gee, weird year with a ton of financial lessons this year. We're going through and um, talking to everybody right now about investment policy statements. We planned this at the beginning of the year, long before the good Lord decided to uh, give us something to talk about for our investment policy statement meeting. The resounding conversation so far has been that, especially people that would say, well, you know, I've been through this before. We did, we did this in 2007, 2008. My pushback is always, well, not with the money you have now. You did it with 10 year ago money or 12 year ago money. Now you have today's money and you just experienced. So it was a new experience for everybody. But the conversation has been resoundingly from the perspective of didn't panic, was concerned, but knew it's just part of the admission to the game. It was just easiest to not pay attention. I think if I kind of summed up some of the conversation so far over the last couple of weeks about this, it has been, I just didn't look. And sometimes that seems silly, you know, because we're so hardwired, especially people who are achievers, you know, people that are successful in life or business or, you know, with their families or whatever, you don't actually think about this, but, but you didn't become successful by kind of sitting on your hands. You, you don't have a successful business or a successful career, or you're not a good student or, or have a great family because, you know, you just sat on the couch every day. You did something about it. And, and with your money, when it's time to do something about it is probably the time that you shouldn't be doing anything. So it's the exact opposite of everything that you've. It's so anti, it's so anti everything that we are. Yeah. And yet the people who, who did nothing or invested more, just stuck with their plan, whatever, are largely back to even money and a little head, a little behind, but not, not too far away. But it's funny though, you pull the lens back and I think it still is the people who do things, but it's doing the things that you can control, like learning about the stuff you can control and the things that you can't also learning about how bumpy the ride's going to be. So with your investments, as an example, if the market's going to do X, Y, Z along the way to your path to this goal, the market's going to do that. It's going to do that. But at the same time, while the market's doing that, having that emergency fund in place, getting your budget in order, taking care of the things that you can get 100% control, more important than ever. So I feel like, oh, gee, there's this line that you need to draw with your financial plan, you know, still have activity, but maybe the activity's not so misplaced. Yeah. Activity around the, like you said, around the things that you can control is, is a good way to put that. And, and I know it seems like we talk about this and the people that 
are listening are like, well, no kidding. Why would anybody do anything different? Um, but the vast majority, the vast majority of people have done the exact opposite. If you look at the aggregate, you know, investment data, the aggregate, where's the money going data, I can tell you with high degree of certainty that the biggest amount of money is going into long-term bonds and gold. And it just sounds illogical to anybody who would actually think through this, but that's where the money is going. All of those people are doing the, the wrong thing. Exactly. Uh, likely. Move. Don't just do something, sit there. So if you're somebody who's worried about uh, the events of 2020 and you want some comfort about uh, some proactive lessons about what we've learned, head to our show notes page and we'll link to this uh, Haven Life blog post. Big thanks to our friend Brittany Brigette uh, at Haven Life for sharing that with us. Thought that was better than taking a single question today. Now that we're in Q3, good time for us to start thinking about the lessons of the year. Hey, that's going to do it for today. A lot of people to thank. Doug is going to take the lead on that. Two quick things, though. Number one is big thanks to people who've taken a moment to leave a review of the show and tell people what they're getting into when they listen to the Stacky Benjamin Show. Mom always likes to post these on her refrigerator. And today she is gleeful, gleeful about this one. This is from J Domsky one groovy AF five stars and the whole review. OG so good exclamation point. See, it doesn't even have to be long by the way, groovy AF mom said it's groovy as fudge, which we all like fudge around here. So groovy as fudge. Thanks for that. J Domsky. And if you could share a review or better yet, just share the episode. If you think it'll help somebody. That helps us get the word out about Stacky Benjamins. Last, if you're somebody that needs help in your corner, much more than we can help by bringing you a sandwich survey here today. You know, the hard-hitting stuff, OG. OG and his team are taking clients. It's getting toward the end of the year. You want 2020 to actually be a year where you made that big change in your life. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG and see how their team can intersect with your team to make your money run faster. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Be flexible. You never know when an unexpected turn, like a pandemic, might make you switch course. We all hope for tax breaks and tax shelters, but having flexibility may just win the day. Second, take a lesson from Len Penzo. It's important to reevaluate your spending because costs change over time. Knowing that prices rise year after year also can help you realize that you need your money to grow so you can buy lots of BLTs later. Mm, that B on the BLT is the thing, isn't it? But the big takeaway... Don't ever try to do anything nice for these clowns down here. When Joe's mom saw me putting stickers on everything for the garage sale, get this, she started bringing out all of my stuff to sell. Whoa, 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 lady. Does that woman have no limits? Oh, come on, not the American Eagle on black velvet. Wait a minute, the rug? The rug really ties the room together. All right, look, I'm drawing the line at the beer bottle cap collection. My Aunt Peggy gave that to me right after she got K-1 
kicked out of the bar for good. That's sacred. A big thanks to Len Penzo for coming down to the basement today to share his annual review of the best sandwiches. You can find all of Len's great information at lenpenzo.com or we'll share a link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. By the way, no children were harmed with cheese sandwiches during the making of this podcast. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Produced by Taylor Stevens and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. Well, you know what? This is actually an exception because the only reason this is after show material is the fact that it has nothing to do with finance. We don't talk at all about finance here. If you want to talk money, you can come back next week and talk money with us. But my friend Chris Kremitzos joins us. He is the head of PodFest. He also, by the way, was here a couple months ago talking about his book, Starting Ugly. Chris, man, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm in Vermont uh, in mom's basement, and I've got an air conditioner above me. You've been running ragged lately. You have a microphone that's not working. We're, we're doing great. Yeah, we're, I mean, right now I'm at the, uh, if I was a cell phone, I'm at 1%. <laughs> He's like, come on, can we hurry this up? No, I'm still worried. Well, unfortunately, I'm in Florida. So what happens in my office, the sun has baked me like a rotisserie chicken from the morning to now. So I've shut my shades because it just, I mean, I'm, I got a greenhouse going on in my office. So it's, uh, even though the, the AC is pumping, I just don't feel it. We're going to see if Chris blooms by the end of this. A short discussion. But the, <laughs> but the reason I wanted to have you here is that to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, there might be some people that we have uh, inspired to start their own podcast, podcasting, as you have in your documentary talked about with PodFest have seen by the huge growth of PodFest. You've seen a lot of people that have started podcasting. Listen, I love showing people how to start on the right foot. And uh, PodFest has been so great for so many 
beginning podcasters, but right now you're in the middle of something to help a lot of people podcast. So first of all, I think I want to start with the story, Chris, because off the bat, this sounds like the dumbest thing ever. I'm just going to put it out there. It just sounds just like, why the hell would you put yourself through this with all the stuff you do? So I'm guessing you and your spouse, Katie, are sitting there at dinner one night. And you're like, hey, we've only got 7 million things going on. I've got this idea. Tell me what really happened and how this whole thing got started. So uh, we did a one-day virtual event just as a test to see if our audience wanted virtual information. And we had close to 1,000 people that opted in for it, and it was a success. And then kind of like you said, I was thinking, what can I do while I'm sitting here? And I was watching actually this movie called Sing with my daughter, and it's about a bunch of you know cartoon characters, and the main character is a koala bear that is voiced by Matthew McConaughey, and he has a theater and basically he puts on a singing competition and the theater collapses. He loses everything. And I'm watching this because I'm a promoter and I start crying like a little baby because I'm, <laughs> I'm empathizing with what happened to this little koala. My poor daughter's like, are you okay, daddy? You know, she's four years old, doesn't understand what's going on. Um, but what happens with uh, Mr. Moon is he almost quits and then he reopens his theater to an open air theater and he brings the community together. And it was kind of like, I was thinking of doing something big, but what you just said, I was like, I don't really need to do this. It's very risky. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And then I was like, well, I have nothing else to do. That would be something big, bringing everybody together. And I'm like, all in. I had to get the buy-in of the wife because at the level we're doing this, it's costing us quite a bit of money. Luckily, we reached out to our community. They crowdfunded it. And we hit 392% of goal. I was, in covered- on, I was in on that call, by the way. When you put the crowdfunding out... I think before the call was over. Within the, 40 minutes, we hit 100%. It was amazing. It was amazing. So that it went up to 392%. So that funded half of the event. The other half came in when Lipson said, hey, we want to be part of this. They're a hosting company in the audio space. So then that took a lot of pressure off of my family. Then it was like, uh, this. I have a kid that's uh, helping me. Uh, not a kid, he's an adult, but he's my program, uh, what do you call it? The person that, that helps do all the programming behind the scenes. Yeah, like your title for it. I forgot what you call it. Engineer, your program manager, your showrunner. Yeah, 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 whatever. Program manager, yeah. So the kid goes, this is like trying to build a plane in midair. I go, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) It is, right? So 300 speakers, and we have a five-week lead time. You were witness to this. And now we're in the middle of a Guinness World Record. I reached out to the Guinness World Records. I said, hey, I don't know if you guys are interested Here's what we're thinking of doing. They're like, actually, virtual uh, records and podcasting, this is very current. We'd like to certify it. So right now we're putting on the um, largest, as per the Guinness World Record, virtual podcasting conference. We're looking to set a record. There isn't one yet. 5,000 people. And we have some of the greatest educators. I mean, if you want to learn about Alexa, if you want to learn about podcasting, but even Instagram, even the little niche topics, there's something for everybody. So the free option was created because of the crowdfunding and Lipson coming in. So we have a free option for this. So you could come in completely free and get, I would say, 95% of the information on Fridays. The only Friday side is our premium days. But we, we really recommend people getting in. And you get to have a title if we make it as a Guinness world record holder, because your name will be cataloged when I submit it into Guinness. That's pretty amazing. And everything, as we record this to go out on Wednesday, everything has already started. You've had some pre-events. The pre-events have already gone really well. 
And what's funny is you, you and I see all of these, um, learn to podcast, uh, things and not to take anything away from people that teach podcasting, but some of them that you and I know are pretty good. Other ones are pretty horrible. I would think an event like this, where you have some of the greatest creators in the podcasting community out there and you can check it out for free would be a much better place to start. It is because you know this, you've been around forever. Some of these people, they know one school of thought. So you're learning from someone that has one purview. When you see it from an entire community perspective, you actually learn a lot because maybe that's not the school of thought that applies to you. So we even have audio drama, which a lot of people don't even know that's fiction podcasting. Those people create audio at an art form level. And that's really amazing to see them shine. But uh, we have, it runs the gamut. I mean, we have even, if you want to be a speaker, we have speaker training, how to get bookings online as a virtual speaker, uh, TEDx training. So there's a lot of cool training that goes in with podcasting and wanting to be an influencer. So if you want to be an influencer of any any sort, I would highly recommend this on top of the podcasting education. So to review exactly what's going on here, this is a completely online event. Correct. It's going on all week. Yep. And the first part of it is all free and you can learn everything from, I know there's speakers talking about what equipment to look at, how to get your file into the cloud so people can get it. Like the, the complete basics to how to interview. I know I'm going to be speaking uh, near the end of the week about how to get guests, just all the basics that you want to know about podcasting. You can get right here. Podcast branding. Yeah. So you just go to podcast expo dot online or dot com. Uh, we're creating a dot online uh, registry right now. Cause we're going to be doing a lot of online training moving forward, but go to podfestexpo.com and register your free pass while we still have them. We purchased an app uh, called Whova, so that's what we would call our hoteling. We already have already had 22,000 interactions within the app of people with each other, and we've already had uh, 200 meetups. So you could create your own meetup around your own interests and talk to people. So we have meetups going. Right now we have a pretty soon a, a person in India is talking about podcasters in India. Later on tonight we have Australian podcasters doing their thing. We have a section in complete Mandarin. I think that's on Wednesday morning, 8 to 10 a.m. out of Taiwan. Uh, we have a Spanish track, like Spanish-speaking track, to talk about podcasting bilingual. So it's it's literally, when we say global, I mean, I did an interview yesterday with someone in South Africa. So what you and I, Dave Jackson, the crazy bunch of us that have been doing this for a while, we're now lighting sparks all over the world. And we're telling them, if you need help, contact us. We'll help you get started. And we'll give you any information you need to light up the content in Africa so people could podcasting, it's location independent. As long as you have a mic and an internet connection, and, you know, I have half of that, <laughs> you, can, you can get started. <laughs> well, you do have a mic. You've got one in your computer, which is why we're able to do it even without yes. the regular mic. Yes, so, that's yeah, which goes back to you, man. Start ugly, right? Just get out there. That was the thing, by the way, that when OG and I started this podcast, uh, for people that haven't heard our story, we actually had our idea and we waited a year. And if there was anything, Chris, that I would take back, it was waiting that year. And by the way, it wasn't the big stuff. We already kind of knew that we wanted to be a fun, light show. We knew we wanted to be about money. We even, we even had a lot of the ideas around how we would present the show. But I thought getting the show, the actual thing, you and I talking right now, 
getting that up to people's, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. I had no idea how I got it from me to you as a listener. And that freaked me out. Like that one thing was a barrier. And you and I both know now that's the dumbest thing of all. Like it's super easy. It is super easy. And I hope that if anybody learns anything, man, don't, don't, don't wait, go get started on your dream. So, Joe, uh, this entire conference is a start ugly concept. Five, six weeks ago, we didn't know how we would deliver a live conference to create an architecture. And I sat on it for two weeks. So I lost two weeks of promotion because of the fear. And then we started last last week during pre-week on day one, we we learned everything. So then we were great. Like we did a pre-event just so we could learn how to do it. Uh, Rebecca's asking, I don't understand what the event really is. And the, the PodFest Global is an event for anyone looking to get started for podcasting or grow their voice. So we're really excited to help uh, people all over the world, as well as for people actively podcasting to connect with each other. Yeah, Chris and I are actually recording this live on uh, Monday night on the uh, Stacking Benjamins Facebook page. If you want to join us when we pop on and do these from time to time, head to facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamin. She also said, by the way, we do this because of all the big podcasting bucks. And you you met the goal because we always talk all the time, Chris, that the reason we do this is for this huge podcasting money. <laughs> you know, apparently Joe Rogan gets all the money and, you know, the rest of us do it because we love it, I guess. I always tell uh, Katie, I'm glad I'm passionate about live events because, like, think about with the coronavirus, like, I love what I do. I'll figure it out. But you really got to love what you do if you want to stay in it long enough and and then make a living. I, I had 10 years where I was lucky to make a paycheck in a community group. And I would tell Katie... I felt I was the luckiest person in the world because I was doing what I loved. It didn't, you know, but you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta pay the bills too. (laughs) But I would say that when it comes to podcasting, pay the bills, because I think that keeps you in the game and it keeps you podcasting just because you know that it's not a complete waste of time. Right. I hear some great uh, voices in our community that say, I'm not going to monetize, which is awesome. You don't have to, but six months later, Chris, something else comes along and podcasting goes away because, because other things come about. Uh, what's exactly the world record that you're trying to achieve? So this is the largest online podcasting conference over a week's time. So uh, to explain this to people, and Joe, you understand this, we're not catering to fans because if we did, Joe Rogan would do a live stream and have a million people on a fan. But to cater to people that want to learn podcasting or like you, an active podcaster, that's not, even though there's a lot of people, that's not a big active group. So to hit that record, we need to get 5,000 individuals. I'm hoping we make it. I think we are, thanks to people like you and the help. But it's hard. It's hard to get 5,000 individuals actively want to grow that. And we're, we're almost there. We're on, our, you know, we're, on, we're on the road to that path. Well, that's why I'm very happy to help because of the fact that these are the people that I learned a ton about podcasting from. They're the people that you know I talk all the time. Everybody's going to roll their eyes when they hear me say this. When we talk about sharpening the saw, you know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits Heavily Affected People, Sharpen the Saw is one. When I want to sharpen the saw, PodFest has been a fantastic resource for me to get that saw sharp. So if you're somebody that's thinking at all about podcasting, man, there's this is where the community is. So and by the way, I will be speaking on Saturday. Now, I'm speaking at the part that you pay for. However, I'm way worth paying for. I mean, you know, I'm I'm just can you see my my nose growing? Actually, I'm going to be talking about how we get guests on the show and how we try to differentiate through guests and how we, how we go after guests that sometimes I think I can't believe this person's coming on the show. 
So that'll be a lot of fun teaching people about, uh, about how we do that. But you also have our mutual friend, Dave Jackson, who is in the podcasting hall of fame on Saturday with me. Well, he also just wrote a book. So he's got some really good experts. I, I don't know if you've uh, reviewed that book, but he's got some amazing stuff in there on monetization, audience growth, because he aggregated like a volume of information from all of us together. As you know, he's like a encyclopedia of this stuff. So he, I said to him, I want the best of out of the book to present and we'll support you selling that book all day long. So he's actually put together an amazing, amazing class. Cody hanging out with us said, we won't learn anything. That's the Stacking Benjamin show. That's not where I'm teaching away from the. I'm actually going to be trying to leave my comfort zone, Cody, and actually teach something. I know it's, it's very difficult. All right, man. So people go where again, Chris? Podfestexpo.online. Uh, and just go get your free passes. We have them. Uh, make sure you grab them. And then interact with the community. There's a lot of really amazing people that are creating meetups in there on the community thread. There's It's literally like PodFest, but virtually. And I know Joe understands this. Our community is very tight-knit, and we, we help each other. It's an abundance kind of mindset community, and you'll see it online once you get in the app. It, it, it's actually um, – overwhelming how helpful everybody is <laughs> honestly like people are like this is a lot of people trying to help we literally have had twenty two thousand interactions since we've launched it uh we'll probably finish at fifty thousand when we're done with this event it's, it's pretty crazy it does if it's really cool because you know there are friends of mine that i met at podfest that podcast about disney podcast about trivia i met a woman who podcast about mushrooms about uh, early American history, of course, our our friend Liz Covert, who, Liz Covert, yeah. you, you know, we share Ben Franklin, Liz and I, we share. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, I, never, I never thought of that connection. <laughs> Liz and I do completely different podcasts, but reference the same guy. Uh, people all over the place. And it's really cool when you, you can learn so much from people who don't do the same thing. So if you're interested in podcasting, PodFest Expo Online, and the cool thing is you'll be part of this uh of what's sure to be, absolutely sure to be, the new record for uh, most people at a podcasting online conference in a week. We, By the way, we have, when you mentioned like Outlier, we look for those unique uh, podcasters. We got one that he talks about water or ice, uh, Paul North, and he has a picture of him holding up like a, a glacier, like a piece of a glacier. <laughs> uh, and then we have someone, you know, when people are like, oh, I'll do a basket weaving yeah, thing. yeah. We found someone that does wreath weaving, so it's one niche uh, under basket weaving. Really and does he talks about how to make. No, seriously, does makes a living, uh, makes affiliate income off of talking about wreaths, building wreaths. I was hoping to have a mutual friend of ours on to do this with us, Chris. Who, you know, for people that don't know anything about podcasting, this guy owns the niche of horses. He sadly had some surgery today, so he couldn't join us, but to talk about mind blown, you know, somebody that has his whole career is talking about horses on podcast and he makes a living doing it and having a blast. His, his audience to see his radiothon, people create 12 days of Christmas, but with like horse type stuff in it and they rewrite the songs. He'll get people from Sweden, Australia. I've never seen anything like it. I get on every year for his holiday radio. It's like 12 hour live stream it, to see an audience like that. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, they are rabid. It's so awesome. Podfestexpo.com. Whoops. Podfestexpo.online. Join us. This won't be in the show notes because it's the after show. But Chris, thanks a ton for joining us and hope we make it, man. Let's, let's get this done. 
No, we'll we'll make it with this with your support and your community. We'll, all we need is that'll be like the one person that comes to you that puts us over the edge and we make it. So yeah. you'll get the credit. Stacking yeah. Benjamins will get the credit. The after show put us over. No pressure, Joe. No pressure at all, pal. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thanks a ton. Hey, we've had some great people in uh, Vermont reach out to us and say, Hey, let's do a, uh, let's do a socially distanced meetup. Let's get together for some beers. Let's do stuff. Oh, gee, I want to do that really flipping bad. And, uh, <laughs> however, we are, we're, we're not going to do that this time around, unfortunately. So cause you're on lockdown. Yeah. Vermont. I will be back. You got the vid. I, I, I do not have the vid. We are not going to do that though. But I will say this, that, uh, when we have gone out a few times, we we had to, of course, go down the road here about 10 minutes and uh, get some Ben and Jerry's right from the Ben and Jerry's home base. Nothing like eating fresh Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Also, yesterday, we went to the Von Trapp Family Lodge. People may not know this, but when the Von Trapps of uh, the Sound of Music fame fled Austria, they ended up in Vermont and have a lodge at the top of a, I don't know if it's a small mountain or a big hill, but, uh, but just a beautiful a rise in elevation, <laughs> some, some bump in the elevation. And, uh, we walked the ski trails yesterday and then went to, they have a, they've got a pretty good beer house, not even pretty good, really good. It's a fun place. And it was cool. Locals told us to go there. And one guy said that he goes there, he goes there all the time. So some good German, Austrian beers and uh some wiener schnitzel i didn't have the wiener schnitzel i was gonna say no if you can't have bologna you can't have wiener schnitzel but but i'll tell you that we did have local cheeses and german sausages as an appetizer <laughs> mm. definitely no salt in those no no zero salt and they went good with my beer uh jesse at met pro probably not happy with me after that meal yeah <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. She can come find you. Yeah. But Vermont, we're coming back and uh, we're going to drag OG here as well because OG, you'll, you'll love this place. And we have, uh, I think, enough friends in, in uh, Burlington that have reached out that we got to do a meetup in Burlington. One day. One day when we're able to go places again. <laughs> Please let's. Oh, hey, here we go. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members 
are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.